something a little bit different on Gray Matters this week as we have our first guest chatting with us about Gray Matters. Phyllis Kerr is my guest today, and Phyllis is important in the evolution of Gray Matters because it was a conversation with Phyllis that I had at VidCon 2018 that really set the wheels in motion for this podcast to ultimately become a reality. Phyllis is like the rest of us, or like most of us, a baby boomer. She is a mercurial woman. She is a designer. She is a technologist and she is an educator. And I think she is the ideal first guest for us here on Gray Matters. Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for those of us in the gray zone. What is the gray zone? Primarily baby boomers and Gen X, those of us sporting a touch of gray. We're interested in finding our place in the digital age. On this podcast, we will learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, all from our perspective. The world's changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore. We're facing the prospect of a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need a side hustle to take our experience and put it to work for us. We need to develop mad skills, adapt, and evolve in order to remain relevant in the digital age. I can help. This podcast can help. I'm glad you found us. Do you remember, is it a year and a half, a year ago, just uh, just, just a year ago uh, mm-hmm. at VidCon, you and I had a yes. conversation. And that was the beginning of me thinking about actually making this a community. Did you know that? Uh, you know, when we had that conversation on the bench, the two of us, the oldest people at VidCon sitting on that bench, uh, we did have a very deep conversation about the nature of our position in life and what to do next. And you actually gave me a lot of really good advice, too. So uh, it was a good conversation. So, Phyllis, I want to talk to you about what's happened in, in the gray zone for all of us gray beards and gray hairs. Uh, and you you and I are actually, we, I mean, we do, you're kind of a, a female version of me in a lot of ways. You, you, te- <laughs> you teach a lot of the same stuff on YouTube. You community is probably very similar to the community that we have that I have at Dottotech. Um, so I, I find it really compelling and really interesting having a conversation with you. I'm always careful that I don't try and share too many secrets because I figure you're going to steal <laughs> steal my whole audience away from me. Oh no 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 never I would never do that. <laughs> but I have learned that lesson through time. Uh, you know, I because I'm a giving, sharing kind of person, and I love to talk tech, and I love to explain things. And even just recently, I explained a process for something to somebody in the space, and then next week they were doing exactly the way I had described, and it was a proprietary kind of thing. So, you know, I have learned through time to guard some things. <laughs> guard a few of your secrets. We won't ask you to share too many of your secrets today, uh, but just <laughs> enough to keep everybody interested. So let's let's be, so first of all, your background, how long have you been doing the social media stuff for? Oh, goodness. Well, okay. So when you say social media, it was the moment there was social media. But before that time, I was always a marketer, you know, so it was offline to online marketing. And, uh, you know, as soon as MySpace was up, I had uh, musical products because I I was a musician and I had I didn't uh, know that what, what what did you play? Oh my gosh! Okay, so the life before this, Phyllis, uh, I was a singer, songwriter, performer, music teacher, general crazy person, and I created content in the form of cassettes, 
and CDs <laughs> and curriculum. So you started in my, so, so here we'll have a little bit of a, just to indulge our, ourselves for a moment. My <laughs> career before I began in television was in music as well. Oh. Uh, except I was a terrible musician. Oh. <laughs> but I, so, but I was mechanically gifted. So I used to repair musical instruments. So I repaired clarinets and flutes and bassoons and trombones, and I, I repaired them. Uh, I played clarinet and bass clarinet, alto clarinet and oboe. And the oboe, <sighs> oboe just about killed me. Oboe just about I... kills everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so Well, funny. first of all, you, you you got, to get the double read, you got the big muscle things happening on the side of the neck, and people that are oboists are just funny-looking people. And the, the and the fingering makes no sense whatsoever. It's no true. sense whatsoever. And actually, the fingering of the oboe actually got me kicked out of orchestra <laughs> because go. I could not remember how to play the stupid thing. And the director looked at me and he just pointed and he said, "Out." <laughs> first world problems. First world problems. <laughs> okay. So so you started in MySpace. Uh, you started doing doing the social media stuff in MySpace. So you are pretty much of the same vintage as am I. You are a baby boomer. Do you think that there is a challenge for baby boomers online? Do you think that there is ageism online as well as the same kind of ageism as we see happening in the social oh. space, in, 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 a, in the workplace, in the physical world? IRL, as they say. Absolutely, at first glance. But I do, in my, you know, I'm always overly optimistic for things. But I do feel like... People in my position, with my hair, with my uh, experience, are rebuilding, redefining, recreating um, a new thing. Because if we stay in this space where we have uh, people that are in their uh, 30s and early 40s, we're crowding them. And they get really kind of like not happy. And if you put us side by side, if you put me and an Amy Porterfield side by side, the audience is going to go to Amy. Why? Why? Because, and I'm just going to straight up say it, okay? Youth and beauty sells. Period. Now, you do videos the same way I do videos. You do how-to tutorial videos on productivity. And we had a long conversation about this. And you believe that you get less views because you look like grandma. Yes, because of my gray hair. And I did a, I've done some testing around this. And I, I really and truly uh, have seen a difference when I post videos that do not have me on screen and the ones that do have me on screen. And I, now again, this is a YouTube audience. There's not a lot of boomers in that space yet. That's that's a fallacy. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But you go ahead. They're there. They're lurking. They're yeah. not doing things. <laughs> yeah, well, and, we're not publishing as much. That'll give you that. And they're not necessarily looking for what I'm providing. You have to remember yeah. what I'm providing is something that a younger generation is also providing. Mm -hmm. Whereas a boomer audience, they're not necessarily at this point in time looking for um, how to use Google Calendar for marketing. Yeah. So, right? so when you said you've done tests, so you've uh, you've done you posted videos with yourself on the thumbnail, and then you're not yourself on the thumbnail, or in the actual video itself. Both. Okay, and what was the and what was the results? Well, the results is the now here's the other thing, you know you can test all day long. So I have a bit I have this test where um, it's just you know my screen uh, and I'm teaching a subject and I'm just showing the screenshots and all that. Now. 
I do another one with me on the screen and pretty much teaching the same thing with some screenshots and, you know, yep. making it look nice and all that. Now, YouTube likes to show the non-face one more. I don't know why that is. Because that, that runs completely contrary to what we're taught. Yes, yes, exactly. And I don't know if it's because that initial wave of people liking it was stronger yeah. for the, the non-face. Yeah. Right. So, you know, again, it's an odd position to be in, to be in the same uh, teaching space as 60, 50, 40, and 30-year-olds. Right. It's a large age range for teaching the same types of things. So the trick is, what can I bring to the table that um, uh, a younger person can't? And the only thing I have is experience. Right. I have the same technology skill as someone, maybe maybe a little bit more. But uh, the technology is not that complicated. So what is it that I bring that's extra to the space? And that's just my experience, I believe. So, you know, for our community, for the baby boomers, I wonder if there's more isms at play here than just ageism. Because I don't experience the same challenges, and my hair is even grayer than yours. But putting my face on the videos doesn't seem to impact or is a benefit. Um, and I wonder if sexism is a part of it as well, that people are more likely to trust an older male than they are an older female and there's something inherently wrong yeah yes i'm sure that's that that is in play also personality i mean i'm a very um animated person and i can go off topic very easily and make silly jokes and that can be construed as i don't know what i'm talking about um yet when i focus i'm right there and have everything in order so i think there's also personality for audiences um so if you put all those together, I'm screwed. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's 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 the good news: you're screwed, but you're still successful online. You still got a you've still got a rabid following. You've built a you've built a great online presence, and despite all of these handicaps, you're still you're still relevant. That's, yes, that's what's it's important. a it's a nice it's a nice audience. It's a wonderful community. I have people who just. Uh, I adore to be with, and we're even doing, you know, um, some in real life um, get-togethers. I'm going to Florida for a few weeks. I'm going to be meeting with a group of our students in the Tampa area, and then also in the Fort Lauderdale area. And you know, I think those relationships and those experiences really solidify a business because people know you. They get to know you as a real person and not just somebody on a screen. Yeah. So I, I really enjoy doing those. I've done those all through my online marketing career as these in real life things. Now, let me, let me talk to you about our, our colleagues, our the other people in our age demographic that haven't, that didn't start as you did on MySpace that are now looking to reinvent themselves that are finding that there's a job market that isn't as interested in them. When you have a friend, when you're sitting down having coffee with a friend, male or female, of our vintage, uh, how do you encourage them? What are you, what are you telling them about the opportunities that online represents? What are, the, what are the touch points that make, that get you excited for them? Well, usually they have, you know, something to offer in terms of teaching. But the problem is that there's usually a really big gap between the technology that they grew up with and where it is now. Yeah. And I don't want them to waste time trying to learn the technology necessarily unless it's that 
you know, they love it and they enjoy that type of thing. But somehow they either have to go through that technology learning phase or they have to learn to outsource it. And I like to, you know, try and figure that out right away. Um, because otherwise they get very frustrated if they're not into the technology. They get very frustrated by the time they get halfway through the things that for us is just like nothing, you know, it's like, you know, we know it like the back of our hand, but it's all new to them. So instead of getting them in a place of frustration where they can't give their gifts to the world, I'd like to kind of steer them into, okay, you need someone immediately to help do this for you. And yeah. outsourcing is not that big a deal these days, you know. And really, the technology is—I mean, the the pieces that are in place already are—they aren't—they aren't as difficult to learn as when we started. You know, whether you're recording a video, a screencast, you're doing—if you're uh, recording a, an audio product like we're doing right now, any of these things, the the barriers for entry are so much lower, and the skill set that we've got—it's—it's it's, what I always tell people is it's such a learnable thing. You know, it shouldn't stand in the it's, way. It's—it's learnable, but. I think we are um, unaware of how beginning some people are. For mm. example, I gave an Instagram marketing uh, workshop, um, live workshop, and we got everybody set up. Everybody's, you know, on the thing. And I said, okay, now open up another browser. And everybody was like whispering to each other, what's a browser? What's a browser tab? And I was like, oh, no. There's there there's vocabulary that I have used for 10 years that a lot of people don't grok yet and and they don't they know it's a thing but they've never they don't know the vocabulary. So I was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, take a step back and let's start over, you know?" Um so I always want to come in with these high-level marketing strategies and how to do this and how to do the video and how to set up your in your email structure and all that. And sometimes I have to stop and say, okay, let's discuss what autoresponder means. Yeah. I, this might be the only podcast that you can safely use the word grok, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I use it a lot. That dates me, doesn't it? <laughs> I know it does. It dates all of us. Yeah, I, I, I use it too. And, and, and when people started staring with blank expressions, I realized they had not grown up in the 70s. Uh, so. So having said that, so you said outsource, where do you turn? Where do they turn for that outsourcing? Let's let, you know, if they've got a skill set, they've got something they want to share, they want to start exploring the online space. Where would you recommend they turn to start? Well, sometimes, uh, you know, I live in a small town and there are a lot of young people who are trying to figure out how to make a living and they uh, know some aspects that can be very easily outsourced to them in a side hustle type of thing. And so I always encourage them. And I also live in a university town mm. that has a media department and a marketing department and a film department. And a lot of these students already know a lot of these systems in, you know, limited ways. So we always try locally first to see so if we can about, help the economy. So you're talking about collaborating, having an older generation collaborate with the younger generation, with the older generation yes. bringing the experience and the younger generation bringing the technical clarity. Yes, and both can learn. Both mm. can learn from this. And I'm always um, surprised at people who have been in positions, and I see this a lot at university level, and, uh, and is that there's somebody who's been in that position for like 40 years, and I'll say, well, who are you mentoring to bring up into this position? And they're like, they haven't even thought to do that. And they're 60, 65 years old, and there's no one to replace them because they have this vision. They're just going to do it forever. And there's this lack of 
understanding that it's a community and you bring people into position and you mentor and you have legacy, um, it's a big conversation, I think, that not a lot of people are having. So let's change channels for just a minute because you've got two aspects of what you're working on that fascinate me right now. One of them is you are you're hitting the road pretty soon for a fairly extended trip are you am i right like you're 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 migrating to becoming a digital nomad of some sort well i think i've always been a digital nomad because i i don't like to fly oh, really? <laughs> so um, not fun i mean i'll do it but it's like such a waste of time i could just be in my car listening to podcasts, having conversations, having phone calls. That's just like my office on the road. I stop early in the afternoon. If I have work to do, I, I hook up, I do my work that I need to do. I, I, I love traveling and working. Always done it. fact is this past summer, I spent uh, the whole month of July, June, May. I can't remember. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> that was a boomer moment. And we traveled from here all the way up to uh, Seattle and Portland, and I had business in Portland and Seattle, and then we drove around and Yellowstone and, you know, the monuments and all of that. And I also used that travel experience for a book I'm writing. So for me, I could live that way all the time. And again, I'm down to Florida. I'm going to be doing the same thing, taking work with me, working on the road. It's great. Yeah, it's, it, I, I think it's I, I get excited about the opportunity to still be productive and kind of keep some part of normality with the spice and the enjoyment of being on the road and the, and the uniqueness. And also some of the challenges of trying to figure out how to get stuff done when you're on the road. Well, I have to say, one of the things I'm doing while in Tampa is Tampa hosts at the state fairgrounds the, world, the country's largest RV super show. And so I am going to be getting in every single RV there, which is probably thousands, I'm sure. And because I know there are so many people who are just, you know, digital nomads in their RVs. It's a big deal. I mean, yeah. you have these and I have a client in this space, too. So now I'm kind of like deep, very deep in the understanding of it. Um, you have uh, our generation this in the RV and they just like they're doing their thing they're seeing the national monuments they're going to all the national parks they they boondock they have camping groups that they go to it's a just their life is when you just park like in a parking lot and without having any hookups and you just you, like sleep you, the 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 United States has all this land that is free to just camp on. There's no camping fees. Of course, there's no electric. There's no water or anything. But you just drive down a road, stop, and enjoy the wildlife, and that's it. And it's now, boondocking. Are you in an RV yourself when you travel? Well, this is the thing. We drive like we're in an RV. My car is usually packed to the gills because we take our house with us. You know, it's like so stupid. We should be in an RV. So I'm just, I'm thinking, no, this is a boomer thing. I'm telling you straight up. I want to sell my house, my 3,000 square foot house on an acre of land, sell the whole thing, go buy an RV and travel for a year and do all my work while on the road. To me, that sounds so wonderful. That's one of the most exciting. That, that's that really speaks to me as well. I, I hadn't thought about. I, I'm not so excited about the idea of driving around the country in an RV, but I am very excited about the idea of flying and living in another city for six months, living in Barcelona or living in oh, Dublin or something like that. That to me, that's an exciting 
option. Uh, I, I, I like my high-speed internet too much. To, 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 I know. <laughs> well, you know, like this client that I have, one of her his biggest videos is, you know, how to set up um, cell phone on your RV so that you can can work, be a digital nomad, and have good up-and-down speeds. And so, to be fair, for you in the States, I live in Canada. For you in the States with your mobility plans, it's far more practical because yes. oh, our mobility okay. plans here suck. To be oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it costs us a lot for data. It doesn't. It's not quite as. It's not quite as good. So, th- I think that's a, something that was definitely going to be a topic on a lot of our future podcasts uh, here on the Gray Zone because on Gray Matters because uh, I think that the idea of being a digital nomad is just so appealing and it's such an opportunity for us to get. Well, a, I can do ninety percent of my work on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and a laptop and my and like here, like I like you said that, you know, my data plan here is just phenomenal. I have unlimited data. You know, it's just and this phone right here, you know, I'm taking 4K video and, uh, you know, it's a pixel. And I, you know, I, I have gone on little tests where I see how long I can go with my phone to do the work. Yeah. And it's really amazing how much you can do. But with the Google ecosystem as well. it's, a, oh, yeah. it's Now, you held up your yeah. phone for the, those in the podcast they won't have seen it. But is that one of your patterns on the back of the phone? Because that's the next topic I wanted to talk to you about. Is it? Yes. It yes, is. it is. I will, yes. post, I will post an image of this in the show notes for those of you who, don't, who are listening to this in the podcast. Phyllis, you design graphic just patterns. You've got this this whole pattern thing that you do. And you're getting into merchandising, which I find fascinating. Yes, e-commerce is the thing. And for many baby boomers in Gen X who are migrating out of the out of the normal workspace and the sort of knowledge work that we do, teaching courses, doing online courses, creating videos, doing a podcast, that doesn't appeal to them. It's, it's it, it, you know, that that's not in their space. Right, but, exactly. But selling something, creating oh, yeah. a product, finding oh, yeah. a way to sell it and merchandise it, that is fascinating. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about now. So you're, how far are you into this journey? I think I'm, I'm still in the exploratory testing stage. I, I kind of consider myself a scientist, researcher kind of person. I have to go test everything out to find the best one. I've always kind of been that way. So I'm still like I go to Threadless and then I'll go over to Teespring and then I'll go over to Vida, which uh, it's all these scarves are from Vida, V-I-D-A. So and what you're talking about, you're talking about fulfillment and manufacturing partners that you deal with. Right. So these are on-demand printing. So on-demand printing, you can print on anything. I, this is uh, a design for on my purse that I did, right? So you can put on-demand printing on anything. And so I sort of made a commitment to myself that I would not buy anything ever again unless it's on-demand and I had some design aspect of mine added to it. So this is, this is very interesting. I'd, you know, if I need a towel, I can go buy myself a towel with my design on it. If I need a new rug, I can go get a rug with my design on it. If I need a new shirt, just like that. So I never have to go to Walmart or Target or Macy's or, you know, any place anymore. I can have it all custom designed. And I think this is just so invigorating to me for some weird reason. Um, and I know there are a lot of people like this. Now that is exposing you to all of the different opportunities for custom work as far as adding your design to other products. But what about making money from it, turning that into a business? Talk to me about that. Well, there's where the marketing comes in, right? And I have been following a whole bunch of people in all of these different areas to see how they're marketing and see how they make money. And 
you still have to market. <laughs> you know, this is the thing. A lot of people say, oh, I just made this beautiful scarf. Now, you know, uh, it's so pretty. And if you build it, it's not necessarily that people will come. You have to have a Facebook ad. You have to have an influencer. You have to have a pretty uh, aesthetic page, when yeah. you're on your, your Instagram account has to be on point, you know, or on fleek or what, what are the young kids saying? I don't know. But it ha you still have to market. Now, again, this is something you can outsource. And, you know, if you are not a marketer at heart, then you are going to have to part, you know, partner with somebody or learn how to do it. Um, and I know you're, you feel like, you know, a lot of this, somebody can learn and it is true. They can learn it. Um, but they have to get through, I think sometimes, uh, normal people are, <laughs> are shy about marketing. Mm -hmm. You and I are not shy. No, no, but normal people <laughs> are a little bit shy about it. The emphasis has shifted. The skill set has shifted in a lot of this. Whereas, I mean, a lot of what we're doing with knowledge work and with our YouTube channels and with our, with our social media presence, social marketing, uh, we, we've gotten very comfortable with the conversational aspect of marketing and sales, engaging a conversation with a customer, answering questions, whatever, whatever mechanism you choose to use. A lot of people coming from traditional in real life businesses understand other aspects. They understand the design of a product. They understand mm -hmm. fulfillment. They understand supply side management. They understand all of these other aspects and they don't necessarily understand the conversational side. But the skills that they bring to the table of understanding how to build a widget or design a widget or create a product that serves a need, mm -hmm. those are just as valuable. Uh, now as they ever were before. Even retail, understanding location, you know, understanding how to run a retail location in a store. Those skills translate into the social space, I think, probably more effortlessly than people realize once they start just, just understanding the same principles apply. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting you say that, um, that a lot of these skills that people who have been working in business for a long time and now they're switching over to a little bit more of a um, either a side hustle or, uh, you know, monetizing a hobby or, you know, things like that, that they forget that the things that they have learned to do are still very valuable mm -hmm. and that they just have another layer that they need to add on to that, um, in order to really become successful in an online business. But also, you know, there is this whole environment of, you know, you, you have this online business, but there are offline ways for it to exist also. For example, this scarf thing that I keep holding up, you know, Vida goes and works out arra brand arrangements with um, Nordstrom's. And so Nordstrom's has a pop-up with the physical things in Nordstrom's store from Vida. And that's where you need to know your marketing and your pricing and your display and all of these things that maybe you learned in a different uh, position uh, before online marketing. Yeah. And, and I get as excited, like when I started in this business, you know, just learning about developing an online course, I was just enraptured by the whole concept of what I could do myself and deliver. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling the same excitement when I talk to people like yourself who are into the merchandising side, who are developing online products, and I'm starting to recognize just what it, what Amazon fulfillment can look like for people and seeing how somebody who maybe made their career as a, you know, if, if we're looking at somebody transitioning out of a job, uh, let's say you were the purchaser for a drugstore chain. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a purchaser. And you, 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 would, you would think 
if you were packaged out and they said, we don't have a job for you anymore and you're 58 years old and you always bought cosmetics, mm-hmm. you might say, that's the end of the road. I no. now, <laughs> but that person, just because they can't open a drugstore and sell beauty products anymore, the opportunities for them through Amazon, understanding supply, understanding weight labeling of, of products, understanding what the, what, you know, understanding what the marketplace is moving to, all the things that were their skills as a purchaser, they can take and they can apply themselves and they don't need a retail front. Amazon will provide everything they need as far as fulfillment, yep. it, it, all of the marketing you do as far as the reviews, the sales page, mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff. It, to me, it's just, it just invigorates me thinking, yeah. but I, I know a lot of people in our space, our, in our age group, a lot, of our, uh, a lot of our friends, when they reach that, when they get that call into the boss's office, the, 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 the floor falls out from underneath them and they don't realize that it's just, it's just another floor. <laughs> Yeah, you know it's it's so true, and the FBA um, possibilities on Amazon are through the roof if you know what you're doing, really yeah. and truly. But here's the thing that a lot of people who come from a job into being an entrepreneur, um, the biggest thing that they have to learn is that emotional thing that they will go through mm-hmm. when things are good and when things are bad and when yeah. things are good and when things are we bad. We become a and, bit manic, yeah. Yes, and and having skills around that. Um, is, is, you know, in the beginning you might think, oh no, this is great. And you might feel very optimistic about how things are going, but it's the nature of the business to be up and down and up and down. So, um, that sort of preparation to know what to do emotionally (laughs) when those things happen would be a great skill to have. Well, that's where if you start before you have to start. If you start, if you start playing yeah. the mental exercises, yes. you know people who are tuning into this podcast, yeah. they are playing the mental exercise already. Even ones that are gainfully employed are, I guarantee you, they are, they are, they are sitting there. They're, you know, sitting quietly having a coffee, going, "What should I do? What excites me?" Mm-hmm. And so that when, because when the when that call to the boss's office comes, it's you're going to be going through emotional hell. That's not yeah. the time to make that decision, and that's not the yeah. time to start really. No. You might be forced to start at that point there, but that's not the time to start. You're not going to be making the best decisions and you're going to be reacting rather than planning. You know, it's interesting. It reminds me of when I retired from the music business back in 2004. I quit, basically. I put everything in a Tupperware, put it in the basement and said goodbye. And I went to the beach and I lived on the beach for two years. It was the best pretend retirement ever. I would do it in a heartbeat again. But during those two years, I just had the opportunity to think. And then I started to play around online. And, you know, 2004, 2005, 2006, that was really a a lot of stuff was happening. And I just dove into that, like with that scientific mind of mine, and just had the best time. And during that time, I created... Uh, when you remember Yahoo stores back in the day, yeah, and I created a Yahoo store where I represented over 25 high-end American crafts people. Now these are people who were doing, you know, high-end uh, functional art, and it was called Functional Art uh, Catalog. And I had upholsters and clockmakers and um, people who were making uh, utensils and linens, high-end American crafters. And it was gorgeous. And I knew right then that I loved selling things online. But, you know, it's been my curse through the years to be just a little ahead of the curve. And uh, people were... Uh, 
afraid at that time, back in 2004 and five, uh, to spend large amounts of money through an online interface. Yeah, it was very scary for them. So they would they loved the stuff, but they wouldn't buy. It was really hard for them to buy. So I ended up closing it up. And you know, you you have to be willing to try things to get you to the next step. So again, willingness is another one of those qualities. But what you learned doing oh, yeah. that has, is paying Everything. off now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Everything about it. I, I hear one theme uh, through your evolutions and that's curiosity. You're always curious about what's happening and you're not really afraid to make a mistake. Because I know I'm going to make a mistake. <laughs> and, you know, most people, and I do them so quickly, a lot of people, and like my husband is always saying, oh, you, you're you good at everything you do. And I'm like, have you seen the evolution of this? Because I've made at least 20 or 30 mistakes to get to this point, yeah. right? Yeah. And But they don't see those because I make them quickly. Yeah. If You know, that whole thing about fail and you don't beat yourself, you, you don't beat yourself <laughs> up over it. That's the thing. Yeah. I, you know, that's that's a great piece. I think that's kind of a great life lesson as we move into this space. Everybody is going to make mistakes. You're going to make missteps in this way. You're going to choose the wrong thing. Uh, similar to you when you stopped the music industry. When I stopped television, I didn't know what I was going to do. And it wasn't until I started a community that I still didn't know what I was going to do when I started my community. <laughs> but it was in the conversation with the community yes. that I discovered where are the opportunities lie and that's what's led us directly to this point that we're at today yes and so it's so it's it's a journey it, it really is a journey where you're constantly you know it, the mistakes are probably in in some ways a lot more valuable than the success stories because the mistakes will lead you there so so overcoming those fears you know that's one of the things that i as i you know kind of architected this whole gray matters podcast and the whole this whole movement is I recognize that one of the, the overarching thing that I hear out there is there's a lot of fear. And it, fear might not be the right word because it's not sweaty fear, but there's a lot of anxiety about the change and, and our ability to evolve with the change. I, I remember very distinctly, um, especially when Twitter opened up um, and and people started following me and I was like, like, why are they following me? You know, that's whole like, oh, my God, I'm so anxious now because like, who are they? It was right when social, you, we were starting to sort of understand what being connected and having a large community and social media was all about. And I would literally have to just throw my arms open and just sort of like, it's okay, I'm safe. No one's going to get me. It's okay. It's safe. And I had to do that to be able to just like be inside of Twitter. And now Twitter's like, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like you're swimming with a fish. It's like not a big deal. You're right. But so I know how that feels for someone who is, you know, going into a space that they're not familiar with. And it just gives them that anxious sort of like, Oh my God, you mean they're going to see me? <laughs> and, and that anxiousness can, you know, there are things you can do to get through that. Yeah. Um, it, you don't always have to feel like that. I think it's the point. Yeah, and, and I also think depending on if you know your personality, if you start the side hustle, if you start evolving yourself early on, you can recognize when you're comfortable with and what you're not. And if you're not comfortable, I think there's a lot of us who are not, just not going to be comfortable being yeah. in, in social. But things like we we're talking about with Amazon, you can be behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be front and forward and to be successful. You can be the you can be the brains yep. behind the organization. And if you're selling a product that's not you, 
then there's no reason that you can't protect your privacy. You can't retain all of those things and, and avoid those things that are that are concerning that those of us that are a little bit more out there and more comfortable with being, you know, identified uh, yeah. are, are 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 working with. You don't necessarily have to enter that space. So I yeah, think great I th- point. Great yeah, point. Yeah, I think that that's that's good. So Phyllis, I, thank you very much. First of all, thank you for the conversation nine months ago with that got this whole yeah. thing started. Yeah, I appreciate great. it, uh, yeah. and uh, we will look forward to, to catching much more of you. I will uh, I will attach all of your linkages and all of your communications in the show notes. Uh, but make sure that you check out check out Phyllis online, and uh, thank you very much. And if you're so inclined, uh, check out one of her scarves or handbags. Or... <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Phyllis. Care. Thanks for tuning in to Gray Matters. For show notes, visit us at dottotech.com slash gray5. That's dottotech.com forward slash gray5. We'll see you next week on Gray Matters.